Welcome to Lake Mount Worship Center, connecting you to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by today's message. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to pick up right where we left off last week. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting at verse 12, it says, Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God, because of the presence of God. The presence of God at that man's house changed everything. There was blessing on his household because there was room for the presence of God. That's true for me. That's true for you. There's blessing available when we make room for the presence of the Lord. And so when David was told, again, just giving you the context, Previously, he had tried to bring the ark of God's presence back to the people of God. He did it in an unauthorized way. He did it in a worldly way. He did it in a sensible, convenient way, and it was deemed irreverent by God. And so that, that uh, worshiper, Uzzah, who reached out to stabilize the ark as it was slipping off of an ox cart, was struck dead in the presence of the Lord. David lost his will to worship. He sent the ark away. The Bible says he became angry, and he was just perplexed at his desire for the Lord to come and move, and yet the holiness of God just beginning to offend his understanding of the love of God, which we can all wrestle with. And so David took that wrestle and went and sought scripture, and then he was told, we just read it, that, the, that Obed-Edom's house was blessed because of the ark of God, and something clicked. David said, okay, it's going to be all right. God is, he is good. God's presence is what we need. We need to build our lives around the presence of the Lord. And so when he was told, David went down, verse 12, second part, and he brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. We looked at that last week that some scholars, many believe that that wasn't just a one time to the first six steps, but every six steps on the way to the city of David. They went from irreverence to overkill reverence. Just let's, let's make sure that we're honoring God with every step. And so they're taking the ark of the Lord. And David, verse 14, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michelle, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. And then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of the Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michelle, the daughter of of Saul, came out to meet him and said, this is his wife, she says, oh, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michelle, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. 
I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michelle, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Last week, we looked at the criticisms of Michelle, the wife of David, and how that cut deeply into David's heart. And we hypothesized, where does that criticism come from? What is the, the, the impetus behind criticizing someone else's worship? And so we looked at what those things were. And if you weren't here last week and you'd like to catch up and go onto YouTube or to our app or to the podcast and get caught up there, what I want us to look at is David's response. In verse 21 through to 23, David said, it was before the Lord. It was before the Lord who chose me. It was before the Lord that I was dancing and celebrating and worshiping the Lord. When you're thanksgiving and when you're giving your thanksgiving and praise to the Lord, make sure that what it is is it's before the Lord. It's not for anyone else. David said, I think you misunderstood me, sweetheart. I was not dancing to impress the girls. I wasn't trying to get them to check out my calf muscles in my linen ephod. I wasn't trying to impress anybody with, you know, my, my gritty or my other dance moves. I was just giving God the praise that he deserved. And if you thought that I was doing it for some ulterior motive, you misread it. It was before the Lord. It was before the Lord. David checked his heart. He was like, you know what, I wasn't doing this. For there, there are some people who can come into worship and think, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really show people what free worship looks like. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show people how, how a free person sounds and how a free person dances. And that's not worshiping before the Lord. That's worshiping with an agenda. It's like, look at me. That's not what David was doing. David said, I was worshiping before the Lord. In other words, I wasn't really thinking about how I looked. My mind was fixed on him. My heart was aimed at him. I wasn't really paying attention to who was standing back trying to mimic my dance moves or smirk at my dance moves. I was giving God my best. Whenever you... Don't step out in radical worship. You've amplified the voice of one critic over the thousands who are engaged in worshiping him. Often the critic that you amplify the, the loudest is your own inner critic. I'm going to look silly. I'm going I'm to sound bad. I, you, know, I, you know, whatever, lift your hands. Well, I don't, don't want to lift my hands. I'm just not going to lift my hands just because they said. Like you, you start thinking and arguing in your head all these petty little things instead of just how can I? Here's a great question to bring with you to the house of God. And this is a great way to gauge your heart of worship over and over again is how can I give to God more than I currently am right now? How can I offer worship to him that he deserves? I want to say that in this house, that if you worship the Lord with all your might, you sing, you shout, you dance, doesn't matter if you're in key, doesn't matter if you can clap on time. If you're doing it before the Lord, just give God your all, we're good with it. We want to worship God in spirit and in truth. And David makes four I will statements that I want us to just unpack briefly this morning, then we're going to respond in worship. So David says, it was before the Lord that I was worshiping. And then he says, four I wills. He says, I will. First one, I will celebrate before the Lord. I'd like us to just take what David said. And let's agree right now, even before we get through this message, let's agree right now by faith that what David said is what we're saying. Amen? 
that what David said, that's what I'm saying too. How many are with me? What David said, and that's me too. David said, I will celebrate before the Lord. Who's with me? Right? I will celebrate before the Lord. That's what David said. I'm, I'm going to celebrate before the Lord. In other words, I've already made a predetermined choice. I'm never going to miss a moment in God. I'm going to celebrate before the Lord. There are some things that can seem important to us that are distractions from what God wants to do in your life. David's wife was criticizing his worship. And the writer of 2 Samuel saw her up in a window watching, not just from the height of the window, but from her high horse, just looking out the window thinking David looked like a goof. Thinking it was making her look bad. And focused on his appearance and the way it impacted her. The question I have is I wonder if David noticed. I wonder. I mean, maybe he expected her to be right there with him. Or maybe this was par for the course. But the sense that I get is that David genuinely was lost in worship. Not just a figure of speech. He was just going for it. And as I was praying into this message this week, and even actually just this, this morning, I felt the Lord just kind of highlighted what was happening. We often look at what's happening, and we can kind of gauge things in natural terms when we even read a biblical account like this. You know, what was happening as David was celebrating with all of his might before the Lord? And, you know, we, we can see that, you know, why wasn't the, the presence of God a priority under Saul's leadership. Well, Saul made more priority for himself. And Saul was actually, uh, you know, more concerned with his own ego. Saul was more concerned with his own advancement. And God took the kingdom from Saul. And the Bible says, Saul was the king before David. The Bible says that, that Saul became arrogant, became large in his own eyes. And when God took the kingdom from him and he anointed David, that interim period between Saul's waiting for Saul to die and David waiting to take the throne, Saul was demonized. Now we can look at this in natural terms and just go, well, it just wasn't a priority for Saul to have the ark, you know, with the people of God anywhere significant. Just leave it in that guy's barn and don't worry about it. And we can just think, okay, it just wasn't a priority. I would like to propose to you that what was happening in 2 Samuel chapter 6, as we're reading it, is there was something shifting in the atmosphere. I'd like to propose to you that the people were living under, if you could picture it almost like a dark cloud, they're living under a dark cloud of a godless leader who's demonized, who has no priority for the presence of the Lord. And the problem is, when people are born into that, or grow up, or get used to that, that can actually feel like normal. But David had a revelation of God. And David... Elsewhere in his word, in God's word, David said that God will speak over different ones that are born on the planet and say, this one was born in Zion. Whether that is their natural birthright, he was saying something supernatural. There was a sense, I know what life is supposed to be like with the presence of God at the center of everything we say and everything we do. And David was pushing back a dark cloud of oppression and, and, and corrupt leadership and demonized forces. He's pushing it back as he danced before the Lord with all of his might. And I'd like to propose to you that if we will make the same commitments as David did and say, these are the things I'm going to commit to, we can see darkness driven back over our families, over our cities, over this church, over all that God wants to do in and through our lives. I firmly believe it.
And so there's something about attaching our will to being a, a willful worshiper. David said, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will. And I want to say to you, you need to make sure that you don't let any other person's attitude or emotional state interfere with your celebration of the Lord. Listen, if, if you had an argument on your way to church, if you were a jerk, God will convict you if you get deep into his presence. Like if you were at fault, you said the wrong thing, you know, you, God will convict you. How many know God's good at convicting you? Anybody experience that? Okay. He will. So just go for it in the presence of God. Just don't be like, oh, I have to apologize to my wife and then I can't. I mean, if you can stand there and do it, humble yourself, just apologize. But listen, just go for it. Just go for it in the presence of the Lord. God will convict you. Probably that's what needs to happen. You're just like, sorry I was such a jerk this morning. And then just be okay with your wife being like, you're right, you were. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. He's at work in your life. <laughs> Dig in deeper. <laughs> Worship harder. Okay. If you were a jerk, God will convict you. Listen, if they were a jerk, God will convict them. But don't let someone else's attitude crowd your heart of worship. Determine to celebrate before the Lord along with other people. Not celebrate before people and just, you know, hope God blesses it. Celebrate before the Lord. God is worthy whether anyone else is expressing his worth at the, at the level that you are or not. God's worthy. And so he deserves our very best, okay? So he says, I will celebrate before the Lord. Second, I will, David says, I will get even more undignified than this. Now, this is quite a statement. Literally, what it means is, I am going to take myself lightly. That's literally what he means when he says, I am going to be even more undignified than this. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to get into my own head about things. And I'm not going to let myself or anyone else take me too seriously. What's he saying? He's saying, when I come to worship God, it's not about me. It's not about my feelings. It's not about if I'm very good at singing or dancing. It's not about the kind of week I've had. I'm not ranking God with my worship, giving him a 7 out of 10. I give God a 10 out of 10 every time because he's worthy. It's not about me. And so I'm not going to take myself too seriously. David was saying to her, listen, I'm going to get even more undignified than this. In other words, he was saying, you, you need to understand something. This is like, like Michelle, if you had a hard time with one day of worship, um, I've been working on an idea that I haven't told you anything about. But here's, here's, the, here's the basic gist. I was thinking about taking some of the treasury and using some of the funds to hire worshipers and psalmists and musicians. And I was thinking about instead of putting the ark in some ceremonial temple down the street, I was thinking, what if we like kept the ark in the middle of, I don't know, I'll just pitch a tent there. And we'll just bring all these worshipers. And then I was thinking like, we could get them to um, write songs and worship like um, all day and all night for the rest of my life as long as I'm king. That's what it's going to be like around here. So, Michelle, if you had a hard time with one day of worship, I'm about to really, really, really mess with your paradigm. What was normal is all about to change. 
the presence of God is going to become central, not just for me, but for this whole nation. I'm going to use my leadership to lead people into the presence of the Lord. Now, that we can think, okay, well, that's really cool for Michelle, you know, how interesting. But, like, the reality is I've often had the thought, if people struggle with worship here, heaven might be a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> because, you know, the Bible tells us that in heaven, God is constantly surrounded by worship. And when John the Revelator peered into the realm of eternity, what he saw was the 24 elders and the creatures and the saints gathered around the throne of God. And there's constantly songs of worship declaring, like we're declaring this morning, the worth of God, that he's worthy to be worshipped and praised and that he's the only one who's worthy and that he's the king over every king and the Lord over every Lord. And there's this worship. And then the Bible's like, they sing the song of Moses. It's like, wow, what a thought. Moses wrote a song in the Old Testament, and they're singing it in heaven. I want to say to every worship leader in the room, have you ever thought of the fact that you could write a song that will be sung in heaven? Or if you really want an inception mind bender, have you ever wondered what the tune to some of these songs are? And have you ever wondered if someone even in this generation gets to write the tune that John heard for the lyrics, you are worthy to break open the seal. It's because heaven and earth partners in the place of worship. And so there's this eternal sound and eternal song and they sing the song of Moses and then they sing a new song and heaven's just got this endless cavalcade of worship just going up and, and, and so here you have, you have, Michelle being like, well, that was a bit of an afternoon. <laughs> and David's like, oh, um, we're never stopping, actually. <laughs> I just hired a bunch of people. And, like, if you didn't like that, you need earplugs because we're doing this as a lifestyle. I'm going to become even more undignified. I'm going to not take myself so seriously that everything is going to be about the be about being a king and about looking the part and having the outfits and the entourage and having everything just so. I'm not going to take myself so seriously that I'm going to be all about creating leadership mystique. I'm going to be someone who's on my face before God on the daily and everyone's welcome to join me. But if you're looking for me to look like some kind of boss man, you got something else coming. I'm going to not take myself that seriously. I'm going to worship God with everything that is within me. The third I will, he says, he takes it up another notch. He says, I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Literally, he means I will humble myself and get low. I'm not looking at becoming king as a way to impress others with my image, but I'm going to humiliate myself and become low. Listen, it's easy for us to think that the things that make you look dignified are the same things that bring honor to God. Can I say that again? It's easy for us to think that the same things that make you look dignified are the same things that bring honor to God. And often it's the opposite. We get low. Even in, in terms of natural authority, when, when people meet the king of England, they, they bow or they curtsy 
and, they, and they, they'd make these gestures to, to recognize authority, to recognize rulership, to recognize the monarchy. And in other cultures, that can extend even into more demonstrable ways. And that's just a drop in the bucket of what God is worthy of. David says, I, I'm going to be humiliated in my own eyes. It made me think of a story when, when our kids were little. We used to, you know, every family has their own little kind of inside jokes and humor and their kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, it might surprise you, but sometimes I could be silly with the kids and stuff like that. And so one day I was just goofing around on the piano and I started playing this song, kind of sound like a polka. And I just started making up these lyrics while the kids were just kind of playing around. And I was, I was just finished, you know, playing the piano. Now I'm just kind of goofing around. The kids are there. And so I started singing this song. Once there was a wee little girl. Her name was Abby. I mean, hold your applause, but it was really amazing. <laughs> Once there was a wee little girl. Her name was Abby. Abby likes to run around and play and sing all day. Once there was a wee little girl. Her name was Abby, and they would all yell her name. So then I did another verse for Joey. And then I did another verse for Sarah. Well, I don't want to brag, but this was a hit. Like, <laughs> like, like my kids would see me around the house and they'd be like, Dad, can you sing that song? I'm like, sure, you know, it's inside family. Once there was, right? And so, and it would get to the end of each verse, and then you'd and her name was and they'd shout their name and then, and then they'd run like literally it was like intervenous Red Bull like they would just whip around the living room and just sing it again and it was just like okay kids are going to bed at 6 o'clock like it was just like wear them out just ripping in circles and so this was this you know great little family inside thing one day while they're ripping around Abby's just eating this song up she comes over to me eyes wide and she goes daddy we have to sing this song at my birthday party. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> we, we, we do? Yes. And you can make up a verse for all of my friends. <laughs> and so obviously, like, obviously, you know, Abby's probably five or six. You know, she obviously didn't understand that some things are funny inside the closed doors of the family, but, you know, in the harsh reality of other people, you know, it's maybe not as cool or fun. And so it's, it's reasonable, right, to just be like, so I explain that, right? Like just, Abby, this isn't going to really fly at your birthday party, right? So anyways, I sang this song at her birthday party for 20 of her friends. And to my surprise, it was a hit. And we had 20 kids ripping through the living room just screaming their names. Once there was a wee little girl, her name was Lauren, yeah! When David talks about being humiliated in his own eyes, I think of this story. When singing this song, was I trying to demonstrate to anybody my musical ability? No. My talent, my songwriting, uh, 
anointing? I don't know. I don't know if there's any anointing on that. No, what I was doing in that moment was I was letting my daughter know that her joy is my delight. And because you love this song, I'll embarrass myself to sing it for you and all of your friends. But thankfully, Abby being as persuasive as she was, she got everybody whipped into it, and they're just like, yes, your dad's the coolest. In worship, we come into the presence of the Lord not to do what makes us feel comfortable or be as acceptable to everyone around us, but what we do is we come into the presence of the Lord and we want our Heavenly Father to know, Lord, your joy is my delight. I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. I'll humble myself. David took that word to the next level. Humiliate. I will humiliate myself. I'll, I'll, I'll be so humble, so low. I'll be so extracted from thinking about myself that I will absolutely just get lost in worshiping him. And as we've been going through this series on worship, uh, you know, we taught a few weeks back about how worship is horizontal and it's also vertical. But let me say to you, like where the Bible says that we speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, that that's this horizontal plane of worship, but we also worship God. Let me say to you, that we have, to be horiz- we have to be vertical first and let the horizon elevate to the majesty of God. And if for whatever reason there's criticism or someone trying to judge your heart or motives, listen, we speak and we sing to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But if no one else is coming with me, I've got my eyes locked on him. And I'll become even more humiliated in your eyes and even in my own eyes just so that I could give to God the delight of his heart. David had a heart of worship, and he's like, we're changing the culture around here. It's going to be all for him all the time. The final thing that he said was, I will be held in honor by these servant girls. And what's David saying? Like, actually, actually, you know, they really like my singing and dancing. Was he saying, actually, I, I, I actually knew that they were going to be looking at me and I knew that they were loving it. Was he saying, I, I, I do what I do in worship for other people's approval? Or, you know, I'm, I'm doing this to impress girls? No. He recognized, listen, every true worshiper has a cry in their heart to encounter the Lord with reckless abandon. And what he was saying was, Michelle, I think you misread the room. What you were focused on in seeing it as some reflection on you and you were feeling embarrassed by my behaviors in worship, I think you misread that everyone else wasn't just going along because the weird king is now dancing and singing and worshiping. There's a cry in the heart of true worshipers that have been longing for the presence of God to be the epicenter of this community and the kingdom of God to be ruled by the presence of God. And what you were looking at, you saw the wrong thing. You looked at the same thing with the wrong perspective. There is something stirring in these servant girls. There is something stirring in the people around you. And it's not criticism of me. And they weren't thinking of me of doing something vulgar. It was finally the presence of God is at the middle of our life. 
Finally, the culture is being built around the presence of the Lord. David was saying, listen, radical response to God's presence is going to be the culture of this kingdom. Or if you would indulge me, radical response to God's presence will be the culture of this church. And I gotta say, we've been digging into this worship series all summer long. Can I just say pastorally, I think we're getting it. Like I, I, I think God, more than just, you know, computing and, but I think we're partnering with what we can sense God inviting us into, that there's more. How many feel that God's doing something? He's, he's doing something new in our worship and he's actually calling us to become not just people who participate week after week, but people who like David have a heart after God day after day, moment after moment. That 24-7 heart that David instituted as a culture can be the culture of your home, can be the culture of your family, can be how you redeem a car ride into an encounter with God, can be how you redeem you know, some quiet moments around the shop, turn on the, the, the CD player, worship the Lord, and wait for another customer to come in. You just, you can actually encounter the Lord and be a person whose inner posture is turned toward the Lord at all times. I feel like what's happening at Lake Mount, I prophesy this to you right now, the dark cloud of the way things have been, the oppression that's out there, God's piercing the darkness and pushing it back, not coincidentally, but as the Davids, Dance before the Lord with all of their might. As we determine, I'm going to not be thinking of myself and taking myself too seriously, but I'm going to humble myself and be a worshiper to give him what he deserves, and I'm going to go all in. I'm not ranking God with my worship. I'm going to give him my very best at all times. And as I do that, he begins to fill the room. Come on, how many are with me that David's commitments, those are our commitments too. We will be, we will be those who celebrate the Lord. We won't take ourselves too seriously. We'll humble ourselves and we'll build a culture of worship. I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning. We're gonna respond to the word of the Lord in this way. Can I encourage you? You, you might need to just get a little space. You, you might need to move into the aisle or maybe come up here to the front, but just get some room, create some space where what we could do is like David. Now, you know, there's something about worshiping the Lord with all of your might. It seems to indicate that David, like all your might, like I would think of using all my might to move a heavy obstacle. David used all his might to worship the Lord. It's like, I'm going to give God that which maybe makes me feel a little bit silly. Maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe you're like, I, I can't. I've got an injury or I'm, 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 I'm too old for that. Or whatever. Well, what can you do? What could you offer to the Lord that maybe you're just like, yeah, but I don't want to look silly. What if we just agreed together? The culture is we're not looking at each other. We're looking at him. How many are with me? What if we just said we're going to give God what he deserves? And what might happen? If we just determine to give God what he deserves, I think we can see the dark cloud pushed out and the presence of the Lord come on in. Come on, lift your hands all over this room. Go ahead, just begin to worship the Lord. Even before we begin to sing a song, just begin to exalt God. Come on, bless the Lord with me. Come on, let's magnify him with all of our mind, heart and mind, soul and strength, everything that is within us. Let's bless his name together this morning. Hallelujah. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information on who we are, visit our website at lakebound.ca or download our app for your mobile device.